so we're back again, Mike. Yes, sir. We are back. No longer touched by Nurgle and ready to go. Wait, you got touched by Nurgle? Oh, yeah. I was uh, all sorts of sick last time we recorded. I've been pretty much down and out for the last two weeks. Well, the good news is we've got some stuff that we could talk about. The we ritual do. The, ritual of the Dam's been out for probably about a good week now, going into its second week. We've already kind of had some, uh, some, I guess, digestion on it, mm-hmm. where folks actually have an idea of what it, what they're going to do with it or what they can do. And People have gotten some games in. Uh, yeah. Really just have the opportunity to uh, figure out what this thing is about. Yeah. So there's also this other part in the book, um, which I figured we could probably start with today, um, which is a little bit different avenue than we've gone in the past. We're usually like into the gameplay and into the rules and all that stuff. But I figured today would be a good time for us to start off by talking about the fluff. Mm Mm-hmm. And in which case we talk, we are talking about the fluff in the ritual of the damned. Uh, yes. I absolutely hated it. I've been hearing a lot of negative feedback on that. So what did you not like about it? Just to put it into words. All right. To put it into words as best as I can, it felt like a great setup and a really cheesy ending. Yeah. So I guess from a thousand suns perspective that it would definitely uh, could be considered to be the case. I mean, Magnus is conducting this grand ritual of the damned. It's a title drop. And um, just, so oh. are, we should be, we should be fair here. So are we going to spill spoilers in this or are we going to keep this? I mean, I was going to spill any spoilers, uh, but really I was just going to sort of set a framework for why you might be disappointed. So what we can um, probably do is we can probably talk about this spoiler free where we yeah, that, that don't try to my spill intention, what sort happens. Of broad strokes. Yeah. And I think it's no, it, it's, I'm not giving anything away by saying there's a cheesy ending. Uh, yeah. I think that's been posted many, many times already by other folks that are out there. So you know, I don't think we're giving anything away on that. Um, but why don't we first talk spoiler free and then we'll have a second section where we warn everybody, Hey, we're going to talk about spoilers uh, and I'll put markers into the audio or something to help them out so that they can fast forward through the spoilers and yeah. they're not ruined. Okay. So, so spoiler free. Spoiler free. So effectively the uh, book is actually, um, to be frank, a lot shorter than I was expecting. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but um, it goes a long way into sort of setting the stage of Prospero and um, Sorciardis and all the things that Magnus has done to make sure that um, effectively the burning of Prospero never happens again. And it picks and, up basically where the Codex left off in a way, yes. right? Uh, where... Um, the Thousand Suns had invaded um, the Fang again, more or less, mm-hmm. and created this big war. And actually, it wasn't necessarily the Codex, I think. It was more it was, before the Codex. It was Wrath of yeah, Magnus. Wrath of Magnus. So it picks up basically after the Wrath of Magnus storyline. And in that, Sortiarius is now in real space. Uh, it's sitting in the same system as... Um, Prospero and they kind of left us kind of wondering okay now what and this is kind of the first kind of dabble into okay this is what yeah and so the book um, features three factions uh, two loyalist factions the Grey Knights and the Dark Angels and then the antagonists or protagonists depending entirely upon your perspective um are of course the thousand sons uh in case you're not necessarily super aware the dark angels and the gray knights both featured heavily in wrath of magnus and sort of they're back for round two and they're all these signs and portents of magnus being at the center of this really bad thing and so they've come to try to stop it and to be frank I would say the first 
nine tenths of the thing. I, I actually I could see the sort of a thousand suns player being very happy with how things were going. Like the hero showed up and like completely unprepared for what Magnus had brought to the table. Um, and then sort of at the end, uh, there's a bit of a, like a sharp curve. Um, and I think the reason why as a thousand suns player, you might be a little miffed about the way that they handled the ending is I kind of felt that they were trying to throw the dark angels and gray knights a bone. Um, it would, be very disheartening if like certain other factions in the new book where they get all their fancy new shiny toys that they just get their butts kicked the entire time and uh, i really kind of felt that they did a good job of presenting just how overwhelmingly powerful the thousand sons as a like first founding pre-heresy legion it's like on the resurgence is compared to the chapter system yeah and i i I really liked all that and i actually i even enjoyed the sort of this sections that were from the dark angels and gray knights perspectives the all these terrible sacrifices they're having to make just to make progress and at the end it almost doesn't even matter um and the only i guess there there was one thing that sort of now that i'm thinking about it's like well wait if that was a thing how did this happen but that's just story writing um so i I think going into it if you're looking for like a thousand suns win i i I think that they do but it's not like a, a clean victory yeah, it follows in the MO of pretty much every Thousand Suns story that has been released, right? Like if we go back to Wrath of Magnus and Battle of the Fang and all that stuff, it's kind of like, yeah, the Thousand Suns are kicking butt and they're doing really good. And well, we all know what has to happen next, right? The good guys. Yeah. And that's just kind of how it turns out. So you're kind of you're kind of taken through the same spiel. You know, you get to root for your army, you get to root for these guys, and you kind of, as long as, I guess, as long as you set your expectations along those lines, like this, this is going to be like every other story. It's probably not all that bad. Yeah. And it's probably because I am hopeless in that I go into this book and I, and I think this time, maybe it's different. Just maybe it's different this time. Maybe they have a little fun with it or, you know, okay, it's gray knights and dark angels versus the, you know, thousand suns. So maybe they make the thousand suns kind of the winners in this whole thing. Uh, yeah. But you know, just like the battle of Magnus and Gilliman uh, on the moon, it's very similar. There's no, I won't, I won't spoil it, but there's no, you know, there's no big clash of prime arcs in this book. That should be pretty obvious. Like Lionel Johnson hasn't come back and mm-hmm. you know, gray knights are what the gray knights are. So I guess that kind of gives us a good point to call spoiler alert and actually jump into some of the details. So I hope you guys, if you haven't read it, it is worth reading. It is worth going through because I mean, that's the only way you're going to get caught up on like where the latest is with what's going on. And there is cool stuff happening. Um, but yet it, don't set your expectations so high that it's going to be phenomenal. Like yeah then it'll be okay and you'll be all right with it. You'll, you'll come out of it. All right. Yeah. All right. You know, their thousand sons are still with us, right? Like they're not obliterated in the book. They're not eliminated from the game or anything like that. So, you know, yeah. remember reality, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So, so spoiler, spoiler wording. We're now transitioning into spoilers. Yep. Hey guys, now we're going to hit the spoilers. I just want to make sure you have a brief pause here so that you have a chance to fast forward. You want to fast forward to 19 minutes 42 seconds, 19 minutes, 42 seconds. We finish our spoiler talk at that point. So there is actually one thing that you were mentioning, like the sort of the ass pull at the end. So effectively the... Magnus is performing this ritual to um, 
awaken these latent psychic potential in the human race, sort of to yeah. give them a push yeah. to get them to get humanity where he thinks they need to be to become like a, the dominant presence in uh, the galaxy again. Um, and so there's all these portents in the Grey Knights and the Dark Angels and all these other factions like know that he's doing this because he's not really being subtle about it. I think at this point he sort of figures that there's nobody powerful enough to really stop me. So what's the point? And put together a strike force uh, to go try to stop him. Not necessarily kill him, just disrupt the ritual. And it's actually one of the things that the the map, which I think everyone likes the map because it's really cool, gives a like list of the forces involved in some of these conflicts. And the thing that I really had to laugh about when I was looking at this is um, on the page before the map, they're talking about uh, Prospero and Sortiartis and all of the ridiculous things Magnus yeah. has done to these planets to just make them completely impregnable. Oh, yeah. To the point where, like, portals around the planet to intercept lance strikes and barrages and just... Yeah shoot them back at whoever shoots them literally the defense against the thing at the end of the at the end of the story that yeah yes just they didn't have it turned mm-hmm. on i don't know yeah I, I that's actually those the, the thing i was thinking about was like wait if they have all these defenses that are supposed to catch all this junk how did a single lance strike get through an inconvenience magnus right and then you have stuff like um i don't know the fact that the bullets they they have stuff where uh, the the reality is like warped within Sortiarius, where mm-hmm. you think your bullets actually hit your dude that you were shooting at, but in reality they've they've gone past. So you know maybe the whole thing is just a ruse, and they think they got Magnus, but in reality they're all dead. And the Thousand Suns won. Yeah, I don't think they're all dead because we had like a Stern and a some new yeah. character, but they. Clear, very clearly lost this book um and the thing actually the thing on those life methods though the thousand suns have a strong presence on their home planets the dark angels sent a reinforced company so it's literally just a hundred marines with some extra chapter support and this is against the, a legion yes the gray knights did this in a reinforced brotherhood, which is a company. So, and then a hundred Marines and Terminator armor and power armor, plus some extra chapter support. And I just, I can't help but feel that they showed up like, yeah, we're going to just go in like space Marines. And then they encountered just others, like more other space Marines. Like we did not think this through. And I, I really felt that the, the realization that the, the, um, Lazarus and Stern, the two loyalist mm-hmm. char- sort of viewpoint characters, had that we're not gonna win. Was really I-, I liked that the fact that they sort of they built realized that Magnus <laughs> is more dangerous than they even really had considered was possible. <laughs> Holy shit, this is not good. <laughs> yeah, to the point where like all the the Grey Knight librarians all sacrificed themselves to bring in reinforcements and then the reinforcements of don't even help really. Yeah. And at the end, the last thing they can do is just, all right, we're going to lose. Fuck it. Let's strike everybody. Nuke it. Yep. Just (laughs) nuke it. And (laughs) now granted it did sort of like put the end of the book in sort of a question of did the ritual succeed? Like my, my question is, so Magnus is the focal point of the ritual. And there are all these sacrificial, willing sacrifices. My question is, at the end of the whole thing is, does it matter how the sacrifices die? Because that's a narrative convention that has been pulled on me several times is, I mean, dead is dead. Um, And so I'm just, I can't help but wonder. I I can't help but wonder myself. And, you know, I I like that in there, they pay homage to like what the changeling did on the Mm -hmm. rock. Um, if you haven't heard about that, you need to go read, um, I believe it's Bits of Wrath of Magnus, mm-hmm. uh, where the changeling just absolutely makes a mockery of the Dark Angels. And yep. it is like, that was very good writing. Yeah, Like my hat was off to the writers on that one. But on this one, I kind of felt like it was, that was a good story. Now let me, I'm a fan of the Dark Angels. So let me turn this around and make it, you know, oh, but really 
we're here to kick your butt and you know on and on and on and ha 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 we win at the end yeah and very... I, I i just kind of feel like for magnus to be as strong as he is and as good as he is for them to be able to pull a lance strike off on him like that with without magnus foreseeing it and only having time to just at the last minute protect himself it feels like all right well i don't know how to end this and i'm out of pages so everybody else dies and magnus lives the end to me that's how it felt yeah i i can very much see where you're coming from um there I mean, I, I sort of, as a fan of the setting as a whole, in addition to Thousand Sons, I don't necessarily mind the way they ended it. It's definitely way better than the way they ended um, Vigilus Sublace, where oh, yeah. just Abaddon and Marnius Calgar have this epic duel, and then, oh, wait, no, we got to stop the duel. My fleet needs me, and... I, bye, I guess. I don't have the time to kill you. Literally, we didn't think this through in a bad and well. Like, oh no, oh no, oh god, he's going to rip them apart. Yep. <laughs> and they so, just don't think it through. It's like, all right, yeah, make them teleport away. Yep. Um, but overall, I actually liked the book. The, um, the, the narrative is about what I expected, um, but the up, updates to the Grey Knights and the Thousand Suns were much needed, yes. and uh, I'll, just, I thought they were very well done. Not necessarily yeah. like bringing them up to certain like meme super codex levels, but able to compete at the very least. Now, Space Wolves haven't gotten their Psychic Awakening book, right? Correct. And so it would have made it would have made sense for the Space Wolves to be in here, but. I I can't seem to help but wonder if possibly in the future the reason they did Grey Knights and Dark Angels is yes they were they were very well written into the story before uh, when when the Thousand Sons attack the the Fenris system um, they were well written in there so they're part of the storyline now and they're interacting with the Thousand Sons but I can't help but think that they dodged the whole space wolf thousand suns thing for a reason kind of like it's it's kind of like in a way where scars is the white scars looking in but it really is kind of like a setup to the white scars right like their story yeah. and and how they interact with everybody where it's good it's it's nice to have them kind of like an outsider looking in on the whole thousand suns saga mm-hmm. but I feel like there's a future coming here where it's going to be Thousand Suns and Space Wolves going at it again. Uh, like they've got plans for that and they're, they're carving this up. Like, guess what? The Space Wolves are in real rough shape. Like if you read, um, uh, what is it? Ashes of Prospero. Sorry. Yeah. If you read Ashes of Prospero, there's a really good se- uh, segment in that book where they're walking through the halls of, I think it's of Fenris and of where, Basically, typically, the Legion, or not the Legion, the chapter sleeps uh, all of their, you know, reserves and everybody, and it's just empty bunks and empty rooms and empty cells. And they're just kind of sitting there kind of like, we've gone through some shit, and there's a lot of people gone, and we're not exactly as big as we used to be. And now on the flip side, you're looking at the Thousand Suns and they're, it, it almost seems like they're just getting started and they're just starting to realize, huh, you know what? The Emperor's, or the, the most of the Imperium has been cut off. It's time to build the, uh, build the Legion up again. Yeah. And this kind of segues into some rumors that I've heard and where things might be going from here. Uh, so one of our... Uh, one of my friends, one of our friends in the community hosts a really good show. Um, it is the FNP morning show. Uh, he has switched, I think, to a format of Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. Uh, if you are part of the Thousand Suns community, you can hop on Discord. And uh, I've got a bot in there that basically just pings the channel when he goes live. Or you can jump on Twitch and follow him or whatever medium you know he's broadcasting to, like YouTube or whatever, and follow him on there. Um, he's a good guy. Uh, has been in the Warhammer, I guess, 
feel more or less like sci-fi games field for a long time. So he has a lot of connections and a lot of folks that he knows. Um, and what he does that's a lot of fun is, you know, he gets a lot of rumors fed his way, a lot of info fed his way about like what's coming up, what could be coming out, that kind of stuff. And um, if you haven't been following his shows lately, he's actually been doing a really good job focusing on 40K. And one of the things he kind of talked about was that um, there is this potential, like as part of the story here with Ritual of the Damned, how Magnus is starting to rebuild the Legion, um, you're kind of getting this sense like he's starting to get non-dust psychers or non-dust um, like members of the Legion back into the army. It's almost like he's finding a way to um, basically fill some of these gaps, I guess, in a way, uh, or build up the Legion again. So we're starting to get um, forces that are, I guess, psychically attuned that Mm -hmm. aren't turned to dust and it's almost like a reinvigorating of the legion in a way um and this kind of plays into what i've heard from john from a gameplay a modeling standpoint where the potential here is for thousand suns to start getting some new models like some new rubrics or uh some some stuff that doesn't um, they, they aren't dust inside. They're actually, you know, new Astartes, I guess you could put it that yeah. way. So that would, that would be really cool. I think, um, I, I don't know what rules they would necessarily assign them to, but I think it would be pretty cool to, to start seeing some of that stuff. Anything where we get new models is cool in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, the main thing that I think that the having actual, like, I guess flesh Marines, normal space Marines who are also psychic in the thousand sons army is part of why I think that we're sort of stuck with troops choice uh, rubric Marines, elite segment terminators is that, uh, Oh, sorry. Scarab occult terminators is that the, um, they're limited in how much of sort of a complicated actions that they can take. Mm-hmm. And so if we, you have sort of a thinking brain inside the armor, again, you could, it opens up options for additional sort of mm-hmm. tactical choices in regards to war gear and yeah. tactical roles. Yeah, I mean, it's something that thousand suns fans have been kind of clamoring for, for a while, like to open up the, you know, the armory or the, you know, the, the, diversity of what they can take the options you know get some get some better things in there for like you know heavy support or fast attack and it makes sense to me to that they have to kind of write that in a little bit and that's kind of if you if you just look at how gw operates they're not rules first they're fun and narrative first and then they figure out the rules to to kind of put the stuff on the table yeah so in my opinion, whether that rumor is just completely false and nothing happens, to me, it doesn't, that's okay. It shows that there's some, you know, there's some momentum in this direction. And you can almost kind of confirm that in a way with the fact that Forge World is now going to be rewriting the indexes for all, uh, all of the books, basically, they've put out, which is probably going to apply to Thousand Suns in a way because, you know, there's a good chunk of stuff, uh, if you're not familiar with it, uh, that Thousand Suns can actually take from those books. Um, you might have heard people talk about Contempt of Dreadnoughts or throw out the words Hellforged or Scorpius and things like that. Uh, these are all like special units from Forge World, which is mm-hmm. like GW's sister site. And at the beginning of 8th edition, which is what, like two years ago, two and a half years ago now at this point? Yeah, something um, like that. Something like that, yeah. So they released the indexes for it. They they did some immediate rebalancing. And <laughs> I think in a way they put some of the units in that in timeout by just burying their point costs like ridiculously high, like thousand points for this unit kind of thing. Yep. Like if you really want to take it with your friends, go for it. But I'm otherwise... This Eldar Titan I bought, it's 2,000 points. <laughs> like why? It gets yeah. like three shots or something stupid. Yeah. So there's a lot of units in that state and they're obviously now the GW team has taken over the rules writing for these units, which means they're now getting around to the point where, okay, 
now we're going to tackle these books. We're going to start rewriting the rules for these. And I have a feeling, Mike, that what we're going to see is better rules that integrate with the rest of, rest of 40K. What do you think? I mean, I think that if with a single um, sort of rules writing team, you'll inevitably wind up with more consistent rules for the most part. Um, the classic problem the Forge World has always had is that they, because they had an independent writing team, they would write in a vacuum and would sometimes wind up making honest mistakes because they didn't know that X, Y, or Z was coming out or this unit is getting adjustments or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to sort of approach it from the well this is how much the equivalent normal like games workshop unit costs it's work to make the units sort of more equitable because like currently if you look at the thousand suns um, like long range fire support they have predators and helberts in the codex but you'll do it from a sheer like cost perspective from a points wise not monetarily because that's a completely different conversation mm-hmm. uh the contemptor dreadnought is hand like far and away the better option yeah it costs fewer <laughs> points it has better rules it has better weapon option like better defense better output and and it's cheaper so like it's hitting the three right there that just make it hands down the better option yes so um uh, I'm hopeful with them taking over the rules writing for these units that they'll correct some of those sort of disparities in uh, unit effectiveness. So I'm more, I'm not sure I'm thinking they're going to do this, but I'm more hopeful that they do uh, that the rules become a little bit more bespoke than just a generic, like here are Hellforged units and they share this common rule and here, you know, basically any Chaos Space Marine army uh, or Thousand Sons or Death Guard can take these units uh, rather than something blanket like that. I kind of have this hope that they're going to do some bespoke stuff like here is the Thousand Sons of Siren Dreadnought. Here is the, um, and then you'll have something like a Hellforged Dreadnought. Uh, and the Hellforged Dreadnought might be able to take Legion and be used by any of them, but the but then they'll start porting the 40k variants over with some of their special rules. Yeah, the um, if they actually do supply rules for the Siren, that'd be um, amazing, and I think that'd make a lot of people very happy. And that is basically where we're like that's our best hope for that, right? Uh, to see some kind of like psychic dreadnought. We didn't get that kind of, you know, there was a, there was a reasonable amount of hope that in the ritual, of the damned, we would see something like the psychic Hellbrute. Um, but, you know, in a, in a way, if you think about it, if the thousand sons are luring their, their prey basically in to become dreadnoughts and like, Hey, you're going to get all this power and everything. And guess what? You're Hellbrute now. Um, I guess in a way that would make sense for them not to be more or less psychic, but for, for Magnus to, to have designed one of the contemptors, it, he obviously has the knowledge there to be able to disseminate that to like one of the, uh, you know, dark mechanicus foundries or something to be able to say, okay, Hey, make these for us. Um, and here's how you do it. And, you know, I don't know, I'll give you these slaves or I'll go out and capture these, you know, areas or we'll get mining resources or something. Like I just took over the whole Stygi sector. So what do you want? Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of stuff where with the contemptor now you have a legit reason for it to be like, Hey, here is so-and-so who died and has now been brought back like a named character. And he's now in a contemptor dreadnought thing. And we've, you know, put him back to serve Magnus. Um, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't, I don't expect new rules for them, but I think, or sorry, new models, but I think something where it's like, okay, really all it is, is the Osiren dreadnought is just basically a dreadnought with a superpower or a super force sword. Um, and he's a psyker who can cast once and deny once, you know, and knows a power from the two trees. So I actually would say that the odds of them just providing new rules for like the Hobart model are, would be incredibly low um, given yeah. that they to date have 
been very, oh, I guess in the this edition at the very least, very specific of this model is this, this model is this. Yeah, I was thinking more along the lines of like how they did knights where, okay. you know, they have like the relic that lets them, bec- lets a knight become a psyker um, and it can cast once and, you know, you can, you can take, I think the whirler trait that lets it deny a, war- uh, a power or something like that. So, you know, kind of like how they did that with knights, I could see them putting something like a stratagem in there in the Ritual of the Dam. That's kind of where my hope was. Like, okay, your hell group becomes a psyker. It, it knows one power, can cast once, can deny once, and that's it. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So I could see them doing something like that, though, with, with the Osiron, where it's a psyker, uh, basically a psyker on top of the Contemptor. Yeah. Um, I'm I mean, a little worried about whether, points-wise, whether they make that the kind of thing that, you know, it's not viable at all. I could see them kind of the way GW has been kind of looking at the rules. They might look at something like, Oh, that's, that's crazy. You know, that's so good. But in the reality it's targetable, you know, the amount of stuff that can shoot it is really prolific in the game and you know, not as good as I think they would put it, make it out to be. Yeah. The, in the case of the Siren, I, I don't see there being much resistance to making uh, eighth edition rules for those because the yeah. model already exists. Yeah, it takes very little effort. And even from a business standpoint, if you think about it from GW's, like they're looking at their product line. Look at how many people go and buy 30k stuff and run it in 40k. They, the, mm-hmm. they actually have some very good looking models, some stuff that's already been designed, is already on the market. That is like, here are your Night Lord Terminators, which they just announced today. Uh, mm-hmm. Here are your, you know, world eater terminators and things like that. It's kind of like, yes, this is what I want. It, and this is for like armies that haven't gotten the thousand sons or death guard treatment where they get, you know, scarab occult terminators and what they are today. Um, I would, I would like to see that for all of the armies where they all get the stuff that's applicable in 30 K and just have them runnable with their own rules in 40 K. Um, and it's, you know, it, as much as you can in some cases say, okay, this, this thing has been lost, like the, what is it? The STCs um, have been lost Mm -hmm. or the templates or whatever have been lost for them and they can't be produced anymore. That's fine, but stuff still floats around. Right. And you can still write that. That's part of the fun of 40 K's. You can write that stuff in. Like we have a Leviathan dreadnought running around in our army and we are like one of five of them left or whatever number are left out there. Um, Just, like stuff, maybe a bad analogy, but yeah, you know, that kind of stuff. If it's so bad, then just don't write the rules for it. You know, mm-hmm. like just leave it out. Um, but I think at the end of the day, there's enough stuff in 30 K that they should write portable rules like that to 40 K. And while we're at it, the, the other rumor that's out there is that 30 K is actually going to get the eighth edition treatment soon. Mm-hmm. And if they do that, that makes it very portable for you to play 30K or 40K. And I think that bodes better for them than, you know, making it where there's a very hard line in the sand. Yeah. So. Well, uh, Mike, the other thing that's happened here in the last couple of weeks is we obviously had LVO. Um, the meta right now, without a doubt, is Iron Hands. I mean, they dominated the number of space Marines out there. There's uh, a lot of articles that are out there that you can read that show just a breakdown of the statistics of like what percentage were iron hands and what percentage were Imperial fists and so on Mm -hmm. and so forth. And I think, I think the number that I saw, it was like something like 60% of the armies at LVO that were space Marines were actually iron hands armies. Um, And that outpaced, everything else by a by a huge margin mm-hmm. um even chaos space marines with you know alpha legion obviously it'd be in the big dominator right now um that not nowhere even close um the interesting thing right now is that it sounds like some of what they saw at lvo from a GW, from gw's perspective because they were there they they've been kind of partnered with uh, the guys running it it to me from what i heard and read it sounded like it was kind of a surprise to them <laughs> yeah i think games workshop is often surprised by the way the game is played at a very high level 
because they don't necessarily approach the game as a from a super competitive standpoint. Yeah. Uh, the idea is that somebody can pick up a codex, write a list, and it will generally function in a okay capacity as long as your opponent is doing something similar. <clears throat> the main thing, and this happens in a lot of games, is the I would say about 95% of players don't break the game on purpose. Uh, it happens sometimes. I mean, Lord knows I've done it plenty of times on accident myself. But um, then there are the, the 5% that sort of, they're the apples that spoil the bunch, as it were, in regards to sort of the make the... the they reveal, they pull the curtain back and reveal, did you yeah. know you can do this? Um, I've actually, I've got a buddy that I hate playing games with, to be completely honest, because we'll sit down and play a game that. and you'll... <laughs> make just the stupidest thing and it, it, it he's having fun because yeah i crunched all these numbers and i found that if i combine these three things i have the best thing ever and i completely invalidate the game but the thing is the in a, co- a cooperative sense that's not fun because well if you reveal pull back the curtain you reveal the inner workings and if you do xyz combo you automatically win that removes some of the personal like exploration from it. Um, I actually, a, a good example is um, back when uh, Elder Scrolls Skyrim came out, the, uh, we were both playing literally the same character. We were both playing assassins. We were going through and I was playing my game. And then I went over his house once and I saw him play and I, I stopped playing because I realized that all I had to do to beat the game was just do what he was doing. And because I knew that that was a thing, I no longer wanted to do it my way because I knew there was a better way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that 40K has sort of gone through a similar sort of cycle as mm-hmm. things have gone by with the, especially with how organized the community is these days. Uh, it, once one person finds the, the like, the way to pull the curtain back and we have the best thing or what is perceived to be the best thing. Um, it's much easier to jump on that. It's also, you know, I think the thing that kind of frustrates most players, and I'm not trying to speak for everybody, but I think the thing that frustrates them is that a lot of us come from playing video games or playing, you know, mm-hmm. games where, the expectation is the game can be balanced and if, and the game developers generally have like a test realm or like a test server that they go through and they, they give people access to. And what they do is they basically just let people catch things that they just can't catch. And in the reality is it's unfair to expect GW to catch every permutation of the rules that could be put together. That's unfair. Uh, but what I think is frustrating for folks is that this is not a pariah of a, or a, or an, it's not an exceptional situation where it hasn't been dealt with in the past. Uh, Like there's, there's solutions that are out there that other companies or other, you know, very successful organizations have put out to tackle these things like test realms, um, putting it in the hands of people. Um, I know that they have, uh, testers, uh, many of which are actually competitive players, um, that get their hands on this stuff ahead of time and report back to GW. Here's here's what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the unfortunate side of that, I can I could probably go on in the rank that of how it's unfair that there are competitive players that actually get to know where the rules are going before a lot of the other competitive players. But that's for another time. The other thing is that the other thing is that the sample the sample size of how many players they they're relying on a very small sample size to to go through it, um, and I just know that based on the number of people that actually get their hands on it. So mm-hmm. the reality for me, I think, is that GW should consider moving to something where they have a quicker way to react to the rules. Um, where maybe what they have is someone who's dedicated to just simply monitoring what's going on, keeping up with the rules, and then they can work with like the testers to try and balance the stuff. Like, okay, here's here's what it should be. 
um, or here's how we stop, like here's a better way to change doctrines, for example. Stuff's gonna get out. It's gonna be really strong. They've already proven that with their FAQs, they can re-release data sheets, they can re-release rules for stuff. That, that can be fixed. And I know that the community will be frustrated with the fact that I just bought this book and you've just invalidated like eight pages out of the book. Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen. But would you rather have that over uh, you know, a situation where you and your friend just basically can't play iron hands and whatever, uh, or, you know, you've got that pesky dude at the store who's running iron hands and his chaplain dreadnoughts and things like that. And he's found mm-hmm. every, you know, he's basically copied the list that was out there. Uh, you know, is it more fun to have that or a situation where, Hey, you know what GW gives you a few changes to the game. If you're playing, these are what you should use. You shouldn't be playing with what was worded. We found that those there were problems with it. Here you go. Here's the FAQ. Just go ahead and use it. Um, and yeah. you know, if it's egregiously bad, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they do a like a I don't know a coupon or I don't know some kind of online store thing where they say, look, you know, if you bought this, here's five percent off your next purchase or something like that on our on our web store or or at our store or something like that, just to kind of say, look, we know we kind of screwed that up. Here you go. We'll take care of you. And they've always been known for their good customer service. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, in my in my opinion, I just kind of I see it as a problem that's been solved. And like I think most people are frustrated because they've seen other folks solve this problem. And it just kind of feels like, you know, GW did the right thing by kind of splitting the competitive and the narrative aspects of the game. But I don't know if they knew what they were in for from a rules writing balance perspective and the complexity of the rules that they've been introducing. So, you know, there's, there's some very good um, math uh, formulas that are out there that can, can be used to tell you the, permutations that have been created in the game with each new variation of a rule that's introduced. And with each of those permutations, you essentially have more and more exploitable loopholes or things that weren't thought of. Um, The number of them go up. Um, And, you know, each time you add more rules, you open yourself up for things that weren't exploitable before becoming exploitable now. Yeah. The more variables you have, the more, ability there is to make sort of one of those feedback loops yeah can spiral out of control that's exactly right so i i just kind of hope that kind of going forward we see gw maybe maybe they don't fix space marines in general and when i say fix i mean you know rein them in a little bit versus everybody else i think the doctrines are probably a little out of control right now for how good they are uh, just giving heavy weapons what it gives them uh, it's it is yeah. what it is right now because those are the rules that are printed and those are the rules that are out there and i yeah. did you actually see what the dark angels uh doctrine is uh, I haven't been able to read through the whole Dark Angels rules yet, but so actually, ahead. so this made me laugh. So obviously, their chapter trait is Grim Resolve. So whenever they don't move, they reroll ones with shooting attacks. Um, but whenever they have the Devastator Doctrine active, all heavy and rapid fire weapons have their range increased by six inches, and all assault and pistol weapons have their range increased by three inches. And so that actually opens up a lot of really mean things. So like you can have Terminators come down with heavy flamers and now they can flamer after a deep strike. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Yeah. I, I think there's not a lot of hype around them right now, but I think yeah. there's utilities that I think there's things you could try to test out with them and see how they work. I think the big boogeyman right now is obviously the gray Knights. Um, the, the reason why is their doctrines are, amazing uh not because necessarily any one doctrine is better than the others although the the one that gives them plus one to all their mortal wound damage from smites Mm -hmm. uh is really good uh but more because they if i remember reading the rules right they get to choose which doctrine they're in to start the game yeah so they start the game they pick one of four warp tides is the name that they give so um, and then so one of them lets them re-roll uh, wound rolls of one mm-hmm. with their nemesis force weapons mm-hmm. that's pretty solid 
there's the one that adds one to strength and damage uh, characteristics of their psi weapon. So that's like psi cannon, silencers, um, uh, ga- the silent. Actually, it's only infantry, so it's just psi cannons and silencers. Right. Um, but that by itself is very solid. Um, Tide of Shadows, they become Raven Guard. And then yep. Tide of Escalation, they add one to the mortal wounds that they deal with Smite. Yep. Um, and, and I think so that's really, the big one. Yeah. And, well, the thing is, you can also change what Tide it is. So, like, turn one, you start with tide of shadows open and then mm-hmm. during at the start of round two in the psychic phase when you're in range to smite now you your first power you swap what tide it is so now you're a tide of escalation mm-hmm. and you smite the bejesus out of whatever and then okay well late in the game you're sort of stuck in let's switch over to tide of fury and now we're rolling ones to wound with our close combat right. weapons right um which is really th- good because you it's a little bit more malleable than what space marines actually have yeah and then they update gave like updated their stratagems and gave them a whole like an entire new discipline for the mm-hmm. characters to take because mm-hmm. um, that was actually a problem that they had is because they had so many psychers but they only had the one discipline they just mm-hmm. we they smite all the time yeah. so now they have more options there they updated the relics they um, gave them additional like specialized litanies Overall, this is sort of a Thousand Suns came away pretty good, but I think Grey Knights actually came away better in terms of like original starting positions. Yeah, Um, I think uh, I I I foresee there being at least from what I've heard some folks talking about. I foresee there being some really crazy Grey Knight stuff uh, running around where you know, to to basically. Uh, I don't want to say plagiarize, but to basically take someone's word for it, if you come within 24 inches of it, it's dead. I mean, it just <laughs> like Death Star dead. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, I think Grey Knights are definitely going to be a problem because they're strong. They can pretty much do what Thousand Suns do, but I think better in a lot of ways. And the Iron Hands are obviously going to get something done to them yeah it's a it's enough of a noise right now that it would be impossible it it's worse than the castellan knights mm-hmm. and they did something for the castellans so yeah. what they do to fix it i don't know that's that's kind of what everybody's kind of waiting to hear there have been ideas floating around but that being said they get addressed they're not looking really at gray knights and i think gray knights are going to go from you know bottom of the barrel, you know, gimmicky type army that shows up every once in a while to a, a notable army that you will have to have an answer for at tournaments. Um, And I also kind of feel like right now, thousand sons are also potentially in that boat as well um, from some of the things I've seen. So um, the melee contemptor dreadnoughts are starting, I think to make a comeback Mm -hmm. and that is because of the cult of duplicity and the fact that you can (laughs) jump the contemptors across the table at something. Um, So long as GW does not FAQ that, which I don't think they're going to, um, that gives a delivery mechanism to things like Hellbrutes, to Mm -hmm. contemptors, Mauler fiends, you know, stuff where you used to have to kind of, you know, war, it rely on warp time to get her across the table. You can now free warp time up for something like Magnus mm-hmm. uh, and use d- the jump power to, you know, get put a contemptor over in the other part of the, the enemy's lines or, you know, all sorts of different things. So I think um, uh, the, the the potential for both of those armies to be viable at the top is, is very, very realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for Dark Angels... I'm kind of juries out right now, personally. Um, I think they've got some tools, but I'm not sure if they're, they've got enough to propel them high enough yet. Yeah. I don't think dark angels are going to like replace iron hands. Um, but they, the extra range is very useful for a lot of the stuff that they want to do. Oh yeah. It's really good. It's really good. And, And thousand suns a lot. They're very. It's very similar to the kind of changes that Thousand Suns get. They, they're not getting anything that people are like, "Oh my God, that's going to break the game." Yeah. They're getting stuff where there's lots of utility. There, there's mm-hmm. almost as we went through last episode. There's almost 
there's only about like one or two cults, if I remember, maybe three, where you're pretty much just never going to use them. Yeah. Um, except in like a narrative game for fun or something like that. Mm-hmm. But the rest of them all have potential, especially if certain things get rule changes or point drops or things like that. Those will all become something that you look back to and you realize, huh, well, now I have an option for this or now there's something I can do here. So there's so much, there's so much there that's usable, not necessarily right away because of the state of the game but usable utility that we can always go back to. So I, I kind of feel pretty good. Like if it was like a, on a one to five scale of the thousand sun <laughs> stuff, I give it like a, a solid, you know, four, uh, three and a half to four on a, on the power scale for what they got. But that's good. I mean, in my opinion, that that's yeah, like, I, I mean, honestly, solid, I, solid I think result. they should aim for fours in regards to, utility yeah. and powerful how powerful a codex is any more effectively five should be outliers and three should be sort of like the lowest anything goes fives are deserving like gray <clears throat> knights getting a five is deserving because of the state they were in um, i would almost kind of feel like dark angels kind of getting a five would would have made sense i think they probably got dealt you know like a 3.5 a little bit lower mm-hmm. on the on the scale but it it's a nice update to be able to get what they got, but yeah. I think I think they could have gotten a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, in the meantime, I'm trying to think if I am forgetting something. I mean, I what what could that be? Uh, <sighs> Aramon did nothing wrong. No, no, that's not that's not right. I, what Magnus? Magnus Mag- did yeah, Magnus wrong. did nothing wrong. That's right. 